Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. What a joy to be alive in these difficult times. The COVID-19 has infected over 1.2 million human beings. And so far, the death toll is 64,000 plus. To be alive means God wants you alive for a reason. Shall we pray? Everlasting Father, we thank you. Even though the whole world is reeling under this pandemic, we still acknowledge that you are Lord of the universe. You are sovereign. You rule over all. You do what pleases you. And the kings of the earth are in your hands. We ask that as you share your word with us, understanding will be given to us. And your truth will bring in light and bring a transformation, a change, an impact, a conviction for which we are prepared to die in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are back again. This Sunday is called Palm Sunday because it is the Sunday just before Easter Sunday. Now, some Christians don't celebrate Christmas and Easter because they, they say historically they cannot fix the date of Jesus' birth and Jesus' death. And because of that, they don't want to celebrate pagan festivals. Uh, I want to address three big issues this morning. The first one is the importance of Easter. The second one is the importance of justification. And the third one is the result of justification. First of all, Easter. It is true that there was a pagan festival which began spring and it was celebrated by people who didn't know the Lord. It was fixed 
on the full moon just as Christmas was fixed on the day of the full sun. Now, the fathers, church fathers, decided that the birth of Jesus is important because he's the greatest person who has been born onto this earth. Less important people celebrate their birthdays. Therefore, even if we cannot fix the date of the birth of Jesus, we will celebrate his birthday. But even though all human beings are born and have a birthday, there is a work which Jesus accomplished which no other human being, no religion has ever accomplished. Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Paganism, no religion in the world has accomplished and teaches what Jesus did at his death. Each of these leaders of the religions died for themselves. But the death of Jesus and his resurrection are the pillars of Christianity because they have brought to the world something which no religion teaches that a righteous person can die for the sins of sinners and rise up on the third day to live forever. Now, this is the essence of Easter. We can have any kind of lockdown and shutdown and uh, curfew, but there can never be a curfew to Easter because Easter celebrates the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no substitute in any religion. It can never be reenacted as a drama because since the world began, sin has kept human beings at a very low ebb. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, we are told that when Adam heard the sound of God walking in the garden, he himself took Eve and they ran and hid. Yes, Genesis 3, 8. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Human beings had ability to hear God walking. When God made man, he endowed man with such property of spiritual sensitivity that when God is walking around, Human beings know that God is walking. And Adam had the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
Yes, what did he do? And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God the, among the trees of the garden. The man and his wife did the most foolish thing to do to hide from God among the trees. Why? Because sin when you break the commandments of God five big things happen. The first is that you lose the presence of God. You lose God being with you. You lose God's strength in your life. You lose the accompaniment of God in the things you do. It was man who ran away from God and hid himself before God cursed him and drove him away from the garden. It means when you sin against God, you lose his presence. But the second big thing that happens when you sin against God is what we call a guilty conscience. A condemned conscience. Inside you, inside every human being, there is a policeman. Your conscience accuses and excuses you before God for doing good or evil. That is Romans chapter 2 from verse 14 to 16. It says, even among unbelievers, there is this knowledge within that what I have done is wrong and what I have done is good. Romans chapter 2 verse 14 to 16 For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law they show that the work of the law is written on their heart while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day. So, Adam was a friend to God. God was visiting him, showing him the things he had created. He was naming them. But when he offended God and sinned against the law of God, something happened. Something in him broke and began to accuse him and he started running from the presence of God. So the second big thing that happens with sin is your conscience troubles you. Your inner man is at rest. Isaiah 48 verse 22 says, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked man flees when no one is set his is chasing him but the righteous is as bold as a lion but the third thing which happened to Adam was a sinful nature entered him he became what Romans chapter 5 verse 6 calls ungodly Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, 
why we were enemies of God inside man now is something which hates God which makes us enemies of God Romans chapter 8 from verse 5 to 7 argues that the, the mind set on the flesh cannot please God it cannot submit to God there is within every human being a sinful nature and Romans chapter 7 verse 14 and 15 says we are slaves to sin we are sold under sin this makes it such that the good you want to do you are not able to do the evil you don't want to do you find yourself doing so Psalm 58 verse 3 says the wicked are estranged and wicked from the womb when they are born they start telling lies from the womb and Psalm 51 verse 5 David says in iniquity did my mother conceive me we are sinners by inheritance we are sinners by nature we are sinners by choice we are sinners by habit even if you are given a thousand years to improve your character you cannot the reason is because your a nature of sinfulness has entered no human being is free jesus said in john chapter 8 verse 34 that anyone who commits sin is a slave of sin but the fourth thing that happened to man is that sin gave satan dominion over man ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 says we were dead in trespasses and sins and the prince of the power of the air the spirit which is at work in the children of men was ruling over us first john chapter 5 verse 19 says that we are of god but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one there is an evil spirit which is controlling every man the the, the devil is in charge of this world in fact when god created the world he gave man authority over the world but by sin man passed this authority on to satan so in luke chapter 4 verse 6 jesus met satan during his temptation and satan said all these kingdoms and their glory i will give to you if you bow to me because it has been given to me not by god but by man through sin so man finds himself under the dominion of satan and then the fifth the last and the most terrible of all is the inflexible law of god god has put laws into this universe and this law these laws govern our work with God and with all he has created. In Romans chapter 7 verse 12 says, the law is just, is good, is holy. So, 
God's holy law works against us. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 says, or 10 and 11, let's read it. It says that everyone who does not keep all that is written in this law is cursed. So, by the works of the law can no man be justified because you can't obey God's law and when you don't obey it, you are under a curse from the law. Galatians chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. Yes. And do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. Now, you can see the problem of man. Number one, he has lost the presence and fellowship of God. Number two, his own conscience condemns him. So he has inferiority complex and he is weak. He feels guilty all the time. Number three, he finds himself with a sinful nature which is controlling him. He is a slave to sin. Number four, Satan is ruling him. The demons are controlling him with addiction, with drugs, with you know a lot of things which we are just powerless to resist. And finally, God's holy law is working against us. And we find ourselves in the front of a just and holy God and his law. And we are not able to obey the laws and come out. Christianity says it is impossible for any human being to please God by obeying the laws of God. This is why Easter is important. Easter says you can never be righteous in the sight of God on your own no matter how much you try last week I quoted Isaiah 64 verse 6 he says that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God Romans chapter 3 verse 10 he says there is none righteous no not one now this brings me to the second part of my message the importance of justification. One of my big complaints as a pastor is that we go to church so many times, but it has become routine. And the average Christian has been in church 10 years. But if you ask him to stand up and explain simple terms of Christianity, like new birth, like justification, like sanctification, like glorification. If you ask him, he does not know and he cannot explain it and he doesn't care. He is only looking at his time to see how soon church will close. Now, church has closed, we are at home. Whatever you want to do at home, do now. Do it now. That's it. So, it is in our interest when coronavirus is over and we get back to church that each of us should make church a classroom where we can grow in the knowledge of God so that we shall know more 
Because in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 to 12, God says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel in those days. I will write my laws on their heart. I will put it in their minds. I will be their God. They will be my people. No one will tell his brother, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So, what is justification? Justification is important during Easter because it is justification that explains Easter. And Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, all these big theologians of the church, they shook the church because they took a new look at justification. What does it mean? Why is it important? How does it work? Now, the big word justification can be made simple when you think of it as just as if I have never sinned. Justification. Just as if I have never sinned. Justification explains how a holy and righteous God can take a sinner like you to court before the whole universe. The court of justice of the whole universe. And when you stand before him, he pronounces a judgment acquitted and discharged. Let's look at it. We have already seen the five ways in which man is bound. He has completely lost the presence of God. He has become a slave of sin. His conscience is breaking him down. And he is a Satan's pawn. And the law of God is working against him. But God, in his love, sent Jesus onto this earth. When Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says he was tempted in every way like us yet without sin. And 1 John chapter 3 verse 5 says he appeared to take away our sins. In him is no sin. And 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21 and 22 says this is the reason you have been called. Christ suffered for us leaving us an example so that we will walk in his steps. Who did no sin? Neither was guile or lying found in his mouth. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us so that we will become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have to understand that in the universal court of justice, nobody can ever acquit a sinner. 
Even those who haven't got a Bible, those who haven't heard of God as yet, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, they are without excuse because the heavens and the earth, the sea, tell them that it is not their fetish in their hometown who created the world. And they should know better than that. So in Romans chapter 1, Paul takes time to explain that all Gentiles are under charge because they are sinners and they have no excuse but in Romans chapter 2 he explains that Jews who have the law they are also sinners because they don't keep the law so Romans chapter 3 verse 23 he concludes by saying there is no difference all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but what God did was in Jesus who didn't sin who never sinned God took your sin and my sin and put our sin upon Jesus on the cross and in that transaction the law of heaven was satisfied Isaiah 53 verse 6 says all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, please, you've got to get this. Islam and the Quran say that nobody can die for another person's sin. Everybody carries his own sin and guilt. Christianity says that Romans chapter 5 verse 12 He says in Adam All people were made sinners Because of Adam's sin Let's read Romans chapter 5 Verse 12 Then from verse 17 to 19 So Jesus Romans chapter 5 Yes From, from verse, verse 12 We read verse 12 Then 17 to 19 the Christian position in justification is that if Ghana football team, Black Stars, is playing the Togo national team, it's not every Ghanaian who goes to the football park and goes to the field to play. Our 11 representatives, they play on behalf of Ghana. And if Togo scores and wins, then Togo has won. Ghana has lost. And if Ghanaians score and win the match, then Ghana has won. Not every Ghanaian needs to go and kick the football. In the same way, when Adam, our great-grandfather, fell into sin, all Adam's children fell with him. And they were charged with sin. Therefore, when Jesus came and he obeyed to death, and he was righteous then all who are in Christ also have won they have won because the righteousness of Christ is given to us as a gift yes let's read it from Romans, Romans chapter 5 verse yes. 12 first of all therefore just as sin came into the world through one man yes and death through sin yes and so death spread to all men you see Sin came through one man, Adam. And death through sin. And it spread to all men. 
even though the rest of us did not sin Adam's sin, we were charged with the sin. Yes. Because all sin. Yes. So 17 to 19 now. Yes. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Yes. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Did you notice that abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I want you to tell your friend, righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is a gift. Yes. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Correct. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. In the same way, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Because our federal head, Jesus, has lived a life of obedience and righteousness. All who believe on this Jesus are charged with the righteousness and obedience of Jesus. And their sin is charged onto Jesus' account. Now, you have to understand that God works with spiritual laws and principles. So, he cannot just tell a sinner, you are righteous, you are acquitted, your sins are forgiven. On what basis? He won't do that. So, he has to come up with a law that will make sure that everybody, even Satan respects what he has done. So, the end of the matter is that God sent Jesus during Easter to die on the cross. That death was a ransom. It was a price he paid for our salvation. And he satisfied the demands of the justice of the law of God and pleased God and made it such that with his resurrection from the dead, God has accepted his work on our behalf. And therefore, he now declares that anybody who looks back 2,000 years at the death of Jesus, the burial and resurrection of Jesus, and puts his or her faith in this Jesus, you become one with this Jesus, you are crucified with Jesus. You die with Jesus. You are buried with Jesus. You are made alive together with Jesus. And you are raised with Jesus. You are seated with Jesus in the heavenly places right now. Because of your faith in the provision that God has given to all men. This is the meaning of justification. And because of justification... In God's sight now. That's what Romans 2.13 says. In the sight of God now. God makes us righteous. He declares us by law righteous. He pronounces us 
as righteous as Jesus Christ, we can now have our consciences, according to Hebrews 9.14, our consciences have been washed by the blood of Jesus. And Colossians 1.13 says, he has taken us out of the kingdom of Satan and planted us in the kingdom of his dear son. Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Therefore, now let's look at the five things we began with. We lost the presence of God. But with justification now, we, Hebrews 10, 19 says, Let us come boldly into the holy of holies. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Ephesians 2, 18 says, Through the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus, we have access to the presence of God. We are seated with Christ in the presence of God right now. We lost the presence of God in Adam. We have got the presence of God in Jesus. Number two, our consciences our conscience condemned us but now God has pronounced us the righteousness of God in Christ Romans chapter 8 verse 29 to 31 says that those whom God foreknew he predestined that they should be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. What shall we say then? If God be for us, who can be against us? It is God who has justified us. Who can condemn us? Who can lay any charge against the people that God himself has freed? The answer is nobody. Because it's God who justifies us. Therefore, our consciences now, Romans 5 1 says, we have peace with God through because we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God because the war is over. God now pronounces us his sons and daughters, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Therefore, the presence of God is with us, and our consciences cry, Abba, Father, because we have been reconciled to God and we have the message of reconciliation. But the third thing which happens is the nature of sin in us. This nature of sin, the power of sin, can only be broken by our union with Christ. So Romans chapter 6, verse 6, we shall read Romans 6, 6, we shall read Romans 6, uh, 11 and Romans 6, 14. It says that because of Jesus' death, we died with him. And therefore, we are dead to sin. And sin no longer has power over us. The power of sin has been broken forever. Therefore, we should reckon ourselves as dead indeed to sin and alive to righteousness. 
Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 says on the cross every handwriting and ordinance standing against us was blotted out and nailed to the cross and Jesus disarmed principalities and powers and he made an open show of them and celebrated a triumph over them Jesus broke the power of Satan over our lives on the cross at Easter this is why James chapter 4 verse 7 says Submit yourselves to God Resist the devil He will flee from you Even Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 He says we are not fighting or wrestling against flesh and blood But against principalities and powers Spiritual hosts of wickedness in them Why are we wrestling with them? If we, we were to be their slaves We won't wrestle with them They just take us like snails But now we are out Therefore we can fight We can fight him we can resist him steadfastly yes and the last good thing Easter does for us is Easter works on our relationship to the law of God in order to justify us by the law God could never pronounce any man righteous so what God did was he took he satisfied the law in Jesus and he took us out and said that anyone who believes is justified so even Abraham in Genesis 15 6 the Bible says Abraham believed God and God counted it for him as righteousness so, Romans chapter 10 verse 3 says that there is a righteousness which comes from the law, trying to obey the law. And there is another righteousness which comes by faith and it's a gift from God. So, Philippians 3, 9, Paul says, I don't want a righteousness of my own after the law, but the righteousness which is by faith and is from God. This righteousness is what is referred to as the breastplate of righteousness because with this righteousness you can go boldly before God and not feel guilty and talk to him as a father and live in his presence with Jesus your elder brother and the Holy Spirit crying Abba Father you can now with this righteousness stand before Satan and cast out a demon you can command the sickness to go in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the conscience which was troubling you that you are a sinner, you also trying to pray, you too trying to cast out a demon, that conscience is defeated at Easter. It was broken because Jesus became our righteousness. And we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. This is the reason why we can never stop celebrating Easter. The justification of God is what makes Easter the most important single festival for every Christian all over the world. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we stand humbled by your goodness. We are forever grateful to you for what you have done for us. And we have an assurance from the court of heaven that we are the righteousness of God. We thank you. Lord, 
make this Easter celebration the best in our lives. Even in the midst of coronavirus. So that all the world may know that what you have done for us in Easter is worth celebrating. And the occasion for victory and smile and joy. In Jesus name. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.